in a crude laboratory in the basement of his home. Welcome to the CEO Raider Podcast with your host, John Mayetta. If you like this podcast, leave us a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts. This is, I wasn't planning on doing a podcast today, but I just wanted to call everybody's attention to Under Armour. This is sort of another told you so moment. Occasionally, we'll tell you something that we definitively see in the marketplace from a corporate governance standpoint, you know, from different perspectives. The last time I sort of did a, a, a I told you so podcast was, was around, I think it was Snap, when it was clear that Instagram was taking material share from Snap via the stories feature. And Snap still hasn't recovered, and it's going to be an uphill battle to recover operationally. Forget what the stock's doing. Operationally, it's going to be a challenge for them to recover. This is our old favorite subject of cybersecurity, today's topic. Cybersecurity, and there's an element of corporate governance here. So Under Armour announced that their MyFitnessPal fitness application, fitness social network was breached. So 150 million customer accounts were exposed to the bad guys, were breached. And this is what happens when you have a distracted CEO. So you can refer back to podcast episode number 100. In show notes, I'll link to an article that I wrote back in December at the end of the month about distracted CEOs. And this is what happens. In the case of Kevin Plank, uh, Under Armour's founder CEO, got a little bit bored, set up a, a private equity shop outside of Under Armour to, diverse, to diversify holdings away from Under Armour. And I get that. And he wasn't running the day-to-day. But still, it suggests that the CEO is distracted. It suggests that in a big way. When you're a CEO of a public company, it, it makes sense to not have outside interests, whether you're actively managing them or not. And most employment agreements you have to sign when you're a senior executive of a public company don't allow you to have material interests in any investment vehicles that you actively oversee. So why Plank wasn't the operator in his PE firm, he was, it was ultimately his capital, and he had oversight. It's not as if he had money in a Fidelity ETF, where it was truly passive, right? That would be 100% passive. You don't have any discretion over the capital other than to withdraw it out of the fund. So a little bit different than the case of Equifax, where you just had CEOs that were asleep at the switch. You know, Roger Smith, asleep at the switch, he's gone. Interim CEO comes in eight, 10 weeks later after the breach is announced publicly, a breach that was discovered back in July. So some, what, six, eight months after the breach is discovered. And that interim CEO can't tell a congressional panel as to whether or not Equifax was, was working to remedy the situation. So he should have been fired on the spot, as we said publicly. And yesterday, Equifax announced that they're recruiting an executive out of Warburg Pankers. Uh, Warburg Pankers is a is a, a PE firm based in New York. So Mark Begor, B-E-G-O-R, Mark, if I'm pronouncing your name correctly, uh, Warburg Pankers exec, former GE exec, will become new CEO of, of Equifax. And so hopefully you can straighten things out there. But Equifax, I would just say that's a case of, of negligence. I mean, to be so stupid as to have this massive breach, have it announced publicly, CEO loses his job, but then the guy who comes in behind the CEO, the, the new CEO, the interim CEO, as it were, d- didn't take action to remedy the situation. It's just unconscionable. So that's a different animal. What, what happened with Plank, I don't want to suggest negligence, but um, he was at best distracted. 
And so when you're distracted, maybe you forget to think to tell your people, hey, are we doing absolutely everything that we can to be proactive around cybersecurity? And frankly, with all the news over the past year around cybersecurity breaches, it shouldn't take a command from on high. It shouldn't take a, a company-wide email from the CEO. We at XYZ Company take cybersecurity you know, seriously. Let's be vigorous in our processes around cybersecurity. You know, it, it should, that should not be required. Anybody who takes pride in their work, uh, who, who has that skill set, who, who's versed in cybersecurity, should take it upon themselves, obviously, to, to protect the company from cyber threats. And if those people feel that the company's not uh, doesn't have the tools, the the, the the resources to do so, they ought to go outside and, and get help, whether it be from a, a vendor to get help in the form of incremental cybersecurity tools or to get a, a, a consultant to help provide a little bit of guidance. It's going to cost money, but it's a it's an issue that needs to be addressed. And cybersecurity, for those of you that, that, that don't know, those of you in the boardroom that still don't take it seriously, it's not something that you sort of address once. And then it's done forever. It's a, it's a it's a dynamic process. Cybersecurity is a cat and mouse game, so you have to be diligent about it. You know, it's something that constantly has to be worked and worked and refined. You have to play offense to be effective in cybersecurity defense. So I will point everybody to the article I penned, where we name several companies where CEOs have the potential to be distracted with outside interests, or in the case of somebody like Jack Dorsey, where he's sitting. And the CEO chair at two public companies, and unfortunately, you know, bad things can happen like this event with Under Armour. And then the other risk, of course, isn't that you have an explicit negative event, but what is the opportunity cost associated with CEOs who are distracted? Let's say, for example, you know, a fictitious company has a CEO that sits on sits in two CEO chairs. So one CEO, two public company CEO chairs, this particular fictitious CEO sits in. And let's say, say neither of the two companies miss their numbers per se. Let's say they consistently meet numbers over the course of a year or two. Great. But again, what is the opportunity cost by not having that, that CEO focused on one of the two companies? 100% focused on just one. Are they missing on something great because that CEO is not lying awake at night thinking about just, just one company? So food for thought. See you all next time.